0: This is Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg.
1: And a good Saturday morning to you and yours. It is Dave Rothenberg right here on 98.7 ESPN. little hockey fix on the early Saturday. We have a really busy show for our second. I mean, for our second ever show, this is absolutely jam-packed. If I said to you, then the younger listeners will say, What is he talking about? But if you have a little bit of a little bit of age, a little bit of grey in the hair, you'll know. If I said to you, Shoot the puck Barry who are we talking about? That's right. Barry Beck. He's going to join us in about 15 minutes. And then she such a wonderful job. AJ Malesko from MSG will join us on women's professional hockey, youth hockey at the women's level, girls level, and then where the Islanders are right now. So we have a ton to do today. Uh, of course, the passing of Mark Pavlich. That happened uh, after the show last week. And we want to bring Barry on to kind of reflect on on a, a former teammate and of course Olympic hero uh, in Mark Pavlich so we'll, we'll get to that certainly uh, ESPN acquires the NHL this past week we're thrilled about it we can't wait to move forward with that uh, that's going to be something that we will certainly discuss in the coming weeks here on Crash the Net so certainly a lot to do uh, as far as the NHL is concerned and the locals are concerned as well it's really good for one team and really bad for the other two Let, let's start with the New York Rangers Uh Last Saturday, we did the show. We got excited for the game against the Devils. Rangers were playing well. And the Rangers had a 6-3 win against the Devils. Uh, They went into Jersey. Fox with a gorgeous goal. Strom with a couple of goals. And the Rangers get out of Dodge uh, with a 6-3 victory. And you think to yourself, you know what? They're clearly heading in the right direction. Then the next day on Sunday... Last Sunday, Rangers in Pittsburgh, they jump out to a 1-0 lead. Mika Zabanejad with the goal, and you start to think to yourself, okay, things are starting to click, but it kind of fell apart from that point as the Penguins rattled off five in a row, and the Rangers lost it 5-1. to one. Now, on Tuesday of this week, Rangers back in Pittsburgh yet again, and again the Rangers jumped out to an early 1-0 lead. Jack Johnson with his first of the year. But then it fell apart again. Pittsburgh rattles home three unanswered. Now Strom does score to make it 3-2. Crosby with the empty netter makes it 4-2. And the Rangers lose another one. So now they'd lost two in a row at that point and then Thursday night of this week Rangers were in Boston and that was really a shellacking. Uh, 4-0 the final in that one. Bruins really controlled play for the entirety of the game. Halak with 21 saves Rangers 0-4 on the power play. Now I guess the silver lining for the Rangers, that is Artemi Panarin is expected to be back with the club probably soon you'd have to imagine uh, he has been skating with them at practice but no exact timetable on when that is going to be. So David Quinn on Thursday after the loss against the Boston Bruins, says and, and rightfully so, he was asked the question, is the team starting to become a little bit desperate right now?
2: Yeah, I don't like to use the word desperation. I think urgency. I think I just like to use the word urgent. I think we got to have more urgency and understand how quickly this season is going to come upon us. You know, obviously we had a little stretch going where we won three in a row. Now we've lost three in a row. So we've got to make sure that we stop the bleeding and, you know, no one's quitting. We're going to keep going back to work tomorrow and get ready to go on, on Saturday. Can't feel sorry for ourselves. We can't let one loss turn into another one. We can't, you know, we're here and we lose tonight. We can't let this game affect uh, our mentality and how we're going to approach Saturday.
1: Now I guess the positive with the Rangers for later today is that you know what it's it's a new dawning, it's a new day. They do have a win against Boston um, so far this season. That win did come at Madison Square Garden, but it is getting late early for the Rangers. They need to start to string some some victories together if they're going to have any shot at the postseason. More from David Quinn after the loss the other night, and he was asked the question: Is this a loss for nothing? Hard to imagine that you'd look at a loss where you lose four nothing and blame it on the goaltending when your team doesn't score a goal. But he was asked: Is this loss? on the goaltending
2: goaltending defense and forwards all share responsibility when a goal is scored so i don't want to point the finger at georgie you know their chances did go in and you know ours didn't and again i thought there was a lull in the second where you didn't get a lot of chances once they kind of made it for nothing but i don't want to point the finger at one person because this, this this wasn't on one person
1: you can tell that he's disgusted after the loss against the Bruins on Thursday night. Now we switch our attention to uh, maybe the hottest team in all the NHL, and that's the Islanders. They've won seven in a row. They're 12-0-2 at at the Nassau Coliseum, and this is without fans even going to the Coliseum. So when A.J. Malesko joins us later in the show, we'll certainly get into that uh, with her. But let's reflect on what the Islanders had this past weekend. When well, we did the show last Saturday, they had a game on the horizon and they beat Buffalo by the final of five to two. Now Islanders actually fell behind in this one, one nothing, but four unanswered in the second period. And the Islanders uh, walk away with a five 2 victory. I just call it at this point, The goal. Matt Barzell with, if you haven't seen it yet, you have to Google it and figure out a way to watch it. Matt Barzell with, I think it's fair to say, the goal of the season so far in the NHL, just between the legs, stops on a dime, scores a gorgeous goal, his ninth of the season. So, Islanders win last Saturday. Then, last Sunday, guess who's on the schedule? It's Buffalo again. And the Islanders win that one by the identical score. Of five to two. Three in the second for the Islanders. Anders Lee pockets his twelfth and they walk away with a five-two win. Brock Nelson scores his eighth and ninth on the season. Then Tuesday Islanders with a shootout victory. They trailed uh, Boston by the score of 1-0, but Nelson scores his 10th on the season to tie it at 1, and the Islanders win in the shootout. That was their sixth consecutive victory. And then Thursday night of this past week, the Islanders uh, beat the Devils by the score of 5-3 to to make it seven straight wins, and they really are playing unbelievable hockey. So after the game on Thursday, Barry Trotz was asked, is, uh, is Varlamov your number one goalie right now?
2: without a question to me when you got a a guy like Varley who's been in the league as long as him to me you've got to have about 100 NHL games to really for me anyways I think it's got to be a bigger sample size before you can ever say you know you got a a goalie controversy or anything like that so Varley's our number one no question
1: So that is clearly put to rest. And one negative, and it might be the only negative going on with the Islanders right now, uh, injury to Anders Lee. Uh, We don't know the time frame of how long he's going to be out for. We're calling it, as we do in the NHL, a lower body injury. And here is Barry Trotz reacting to the injury to one of his best offensive players.
2: Anders is obviously, he's our captain. He's our leader. He does everything right. He's such a good pro and he's such a good person. that You know, he's got the total respect of our our whole team and the bench all the time. So, yeah, when he's down, obviously he got hurt very few times. Anders Lee has struggled to get up from any kind of hit or anything. So he's a tough, tough man. And uh, and, uh, everybody on our bench obviously felt for him there.
1: So we'll find out how long he's going to be out for, but it certainly didn't look great, uh, the injury to Anders Lee. So Islanders red hot. They're 12-0-2 at home. They've won seven in a row, and you could argue they're the best team in the entire National Hockey League right now. Rangers not playing great. The uh, Devils not great either. Now, when we were on last Saturday morning, we got you ready for the Devils and the Rangers, and the Rangers, of course, won that one by the final of 6-3. Devils played the next day as well against Boston, and and they go into Boston and win that game by the final of 1-0. Uh, late stages, third period. Kyle Palmieri scores at 15-23 to give the Devils a 1-0 lead. It's his fourth of the season, and they get out of Dodge with a 1-0 win. Scott Wedgwood with the victory. He stopped all 40 shots for the Devils, so they're feeling good Sunday getting the 1-0 win uh, in Boston. Then Tuesday, they go to Washington, and I guess kind of silver lining-esque. They lose that one 5-4 in overtime, but here's the thing. Devils trailed 3-0 and 4-1 in that game, scored three in the third to tie it at four, but they do lose it in overtime and they do get out of there with the point. And then Thursday of this week um, at the Islanders, and we discussed that one earlier, was the Islanders' seventh consecutive victory and the Devils lost it by the score. Of 5-3. to But Lindy Ruff after the game on Thursday night. And this is pretty much all you can ask for if you're a head coach of any team in any sport. And that's that your team works hard. And here is the head coach of the Devils, Lindy Ruff, discussing that his team does, in fact, work hard for him keep battling
2: that path to success is not a straight line and it never has been you know if you look at our team you know we've had the ups and downs we we battled hard for two games the boston game the washington nobody can tell me that this group doesn't care or doesn't want to play hard they do is sometimes the way we move the puck or sometimes the position we put ourselves in uh, the best no and that you know we're going to keep on working with this group you you look at the way some of the young guys are playing and what they're doing and the confidence they got to have confidence to handle the puck and make plays Along with that comes some errors that are going to cost you. I really like uh, some of the composure and some of the dig in. Don't like our first 40 minutes uh, at all. But I like the fact that, again, we talked about just little things. Number one was getting pucks in net. Number two was getting some bodies there. And we got rewarded for it. I mean, two goals in the first five minutes put us back in the game.
1: Kind of a a tale of uh, different head coaches in the NHL. David Quinn, we heard from him, very frustrated with his Rangers right now who have not played good hockey this past week. Barry Trotz couldn't sound any ha- happier. And then uh, Lindy Ruff, uh, frustrated as well. So that that's kind of where we were this past week with the locals. Later on in the show, we'll look at where we're going this coming week. But, but Barry Beck, I mean, you, you talk about... A guy that, you know, blood, sweat, and tears with one of the local teams. That is former Rangers captain Barry Beck. We'll take a quick break. Come back. He'll join us. Uh, A.J. Molesco is going to join us to break down women's hockey and where we are and how far we've come with women's professional and collegiate and youth hockey uh, from her days as as a, a peewee, I guess, to where we are now. Uh, with women's professional hockey. So a lot to do. Sit back, relax, grab your cup of coffee early on this Saturday morning. It is Crash the Net. It's Dave Rothenberg with you. Barry Beck next right here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Crash the Net podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN.
1: And this is Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on Saturday morning, 98.7 ESPN. It is my pleasure to bring in, I mean, a guy that I watched growing up, I adored growing up, the captain of the Rangers, and that, of course, is Barry Beck Good Morning. Barry, how are you doing?
3: Well, well it's evening for me, Dave, here in Hong Kong, so uh, um, I wish you a good morning, too, and, and thank you for having me on the show
1: absolutely and there's so many different kind of topics we want to touch in here on crash the net but I want to start and this was sad I know he was a, a good friend of yours and a former teammate and that is uh Mark Pavlich who passed away recently uh is, is there like a story a, a remembrance that rings true for you about uh the, the former teammate of yours
3: well I mean first of all my condolences to the Pavlich family and. You know, I'd also, like, I mean, over the past few days, also, my condolences to, to Wayne Gretzky and his family for the passing of Walter Gretzky. And when we talk about Mark Pavlich, I mean, I want to start from the beginning. And that's from the, the original dream I had of Pav when him and I were riding horses on a ranch. And uh, we were having a lot of fun. And... uh and sort of riding and, and chasing each other, and we were waiting for our teammates. And Pav took off on his horse, and he was laughing. He had this infectious laugh, and I started chasing him. And just as I got up to him, just right by him, by the by his horse, he pulled up the reins and stopped his horse. And I went flying by him and turned around to look at him, and he started to laugh. And that was the dream. Well, I hadn't. Thought of Mark Pavlich in maybe 15 years, and uh, there was nothing in my mind. Any, you know, I wasn't watching any video of the 1980 Miracle Team or anything. So three months later, uh, I was on Facebook and on my Facebook feed, and I saw that he had been arrested for assault in Minnesota. And I wondered how this could happen. Somebody like Mark was not aggressive. He was such a kind soul. I immediately tried to get a hold of his sister which I did and I got hold of his sister Jean and we talked and we talked sort of about what had happened over Mark's the, the past 4 years with his his wife was killed in an accident at home and and he was starting to act erratically and um we sort of thought that well uh this is going to be going to be a long road and uh Mark first went into a, a jail cell At first, before being moved to the psychiatric uh, facility in St. Peter, Minnesota, where he spent well over a year. And that's where, in one of my first conversations with him, I said, Pav, I mean, everybody's got to know your story. And uh, he said to me, Bubba, that's what he always called me. He said, you write my story. And so that's how it all started.
1: Barry back with us here on uh, Crash the Net ninety eight seven ESPN. So you you were in touch with him um, w- when you were towards the end of of his life, which obviously ended so sadly and tragically. What what was it like? Was it the same Mark Pavlich that you had remembered from playing days, or was he was he a different guy at this point?
3: Well, I think near the end there there was a different tone. I mean, he had a hearing coming up, and that hearing was on his felony assault charges, and. Uh, I think he had been informed that that was possibly going to be a four year jail sentence. And then he was informed a few days after that that everything was going to be okay. Maybe he would go back to the healing, uh, Eagle's healing mess with Melanie Butler, who took him in. And we were fortunate uh, with hard work by Clinton Larchuk to get him out of the psychiatric facility as well as uh, his legal team. And, uh, and Glenn Healy and the NHL alumni with Jerry Jormaca helping. And uh so he was in he was in a good place and uh he was doing very well. But there was a different tone to his voice getting prepared for the upcoming hearing.
1: Now you hear it oftentimes in the NFL and, and ex players will say, you know, they they just don't do enough to help the, the, the guys that played long ago that have troubles do you feel similarly uh, in the NHL circles that just not not enough is done, specifically Mark here, but as a broader overview, that not enough is done to help the former players who may be struggling?
3: Yes, I agree with that. I don't think the NHL owes me anything. I don't think the New York Rangers owe me anything. I mean, it was a childhood dream on my mind to play in the NHL. And uh, I fulfilled that dream and got a chance to play for the New York Rangers. I, I was very proud of that. But I don't think the owners as a group, have done enough to help players. And you can go down the list of players, starting with Todd Yoon and Rick ripen Rip and Wade Belak, Derek Bugard, Steve Montador, Greg Johnson. I mean, I think that they can be doing more, especially when it comes to CTE and uh, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy and the research of it and trying to find an early diagnosis from it or for it. And so that's one of the things that our group, the Ranch Teammates for Life, is a group of 15 dedicated people trying to get a facility built for not only NHL players or hockey players, but also military veterans that suffer from PTSD, depression, anxiety, and a number of other of, of mental, uh, mental health uh, uh, issues. We want more research done.
1: Barry Beck, former Rangers captain, with us here, 98.7 ESPN on Crash the Net on a, a Saturday morning. So, so let me ask you this: Where are we? Because the idea sounds great. Where are we as far as uh, this rehab ranch um, getting up and running now?
3: Well, we're we're talking. I've had I've had talks with Glenn Healy, and of course, uh, I think we'll get at some point in the show to to my my uh, discussions with John Davidson, the Rangers president who I have a special bond with, being a former teammate, as I do for all my ex-teammates that do work for the New York Rangers. And they, of course, may have a different view than I have. Uh, I live in Hong Kong, Hong Kong, halfway around the world. and uh, But I think I, I sort of know what players need and, and sort of the curriculum uh, to follow uh, for them to be, uh, for them to be helped, for them to be healed in a, in a facility of hope and recovery, and uh, so that's sort of our path. We would like to help the NHL. We would like to help the New York Rangers. We would like them to be the team that, that sets the benchmark for other teams to follow. NHL teams were not talking about mental illness three or four years ago. Now they understand. They have five or six players on their team that are suffering from some type of disorder. So they're finally starting to address it. I know that a lot of players are are outdoor players. I mean, they love the outdoors. So this makes sense to us. When I talked to Pav, he was very excited about the fact of finding a, finding a site for a ranch where we can use animal therapy, certainly, as well as a lot of other therapy, especially music is also another one, but a ranch could entail many many parts of uh what we need and uh so that's what we're going to try and do i hope that john davidson uh will step up in this case and try and do something with the rangers leading it and uh we'll see with what the comments that i made um these are comments that i that i made with our group and the backing of our group and um it's it's not a uh uh, like I said, I speak on um, on my own opinion, and uh, so I'm not afraid to do that, and uh, Mark would have wanted me to do that. He's a quiet guy, but I was his voice through all my writings, and uh, I fell in love with writing through Mark, and uh, now I'm going to make sure that his name has a legacy and the family I'm sure watch that also.
1: Well, it's very commendable to to you know carry the torch for someone that kind of couldn't help themselves and to to try to do that moving forward. Now, you mentioned a couple times about your you know um, issue with John Davidson. Have you guys smoothed that over now?
3: Well, John did get a hold of me after I after I made the post on on Facebook, and as I just, just reiterated uh, that uh, we are we are friends now. Don and I talked about our conversation. I said that I and we sort of agreed that it was just best to go forward. We didn't want it to be a distraction to the New York Rangers and uh, and certainly not a distraction to you know, the morning of Mark Pavlich. Um, but there were things that needed to be said, and uh, I think that we have an understanding and it's it's mutual respect. I mean, it just makes sense to us to have a place where players can go. And heal. And to do that, they need their peers to help them. Hardly any of them will listen to psychiatrists. They usually got to go to six or seven of them. But for them to listen to their peers that have been through the same things and, and the suffering that they're going through, that is certainly a way for them to heal. Absolutely. And, uh, the, let, let me interrupt you. Quick,
1: quick. Let me just interrupt you quickly. And, and I, I understand that you want the Rangers' involvement, but doesn't it go beyond that? Like, isn't this a, a league issue? Wouldn't you like to see the league step up or or the players' union negotiate this into the next CBA of of helping their own moving forward?
3: Well, yes, I would, and I know they have. I mean, safety is is the first issue for me when it comes to the to the owners, and uh, and the Rangers are part of that. And, uh, so yes, I do believe it is the owners and I'm not going to back down from, from the comments that I made. I'm ashamed of the owners and the fact that they're not helping the players more and they could be. And especially with, with a facility, uh, we know that it will take a lot of money and funding to do that. And, um, and we're going to do it one way or another with either the help of the NHL or not the help of the NHL. We'd like it to be together. I mean, uh, that that's what we're all about is, is healing for players. And I think that should be a priority for the NHL owners. He is Barry Beck. This is Well, there is, I mean, I was back in New York when, you know, that, that 1980 team led by Herb Brooks. And we watched most of those games from Lake Placid. And we, of course, like everyone else were, were amazed. I mean, I think it's the greatest event that has happened in sports. So, there is a time. There is a time we were playing in Edmonton, and uh, Mark had circled into the corner and sort of cycled, and uh, I was coming down from center ice, and that was a course when Edmonton had a great team, had Messier and Gretzky and all the rest of the, the Hall of Fame players, and uh, I came down, through the weaved through the slot, and Pav found me with a nice sweet pass, and I, I zinged the net and I immediately went over to him and jumped into his arms. And he had that same laugh that he was laughing with that I had in the dream originally. The same laugh when we were riding the horses on the ranch. So this just all, all makes sense to me. He was just such a creative genius on the ice. And uh, he didn't want the spotlight. After he scored a goal, he didn't have to jump into the glass. We know that in today's game that it's all about entertainment. And uh, scoring a goal for Pav was just another day at the office. I mean, that's what he did as a kid growing up in Minnesota and skating before school at recess at school, after school dinners were three minutes long to get back out on the ice playing hockey. And, uh, and he loved it. And so there are some special moments that I remember him for as a teammate and he was a unique individual. And if you didn't understand it, well, it was too bad for you uh, because, uh, Uh, We all know that how much he gave to the game and how much he loved hockey and how much he loved the outdoors. So for me, it really is his laugh. And he gave a great gift to the family. And uh, that gift is an opportunity for them to be able to heal and to grow. And uh, this is sort of my message is is, uh, that – you know, I've had to grow from a from another traumatic incident that happened in the life of the murder of my own son. And it's a big mountain to climb. But you can climb it, you can grow from it, you can become bigger and better version of yourself than you were before. And that's my message to people. It's not just the hockey players. I mean, we know that how the how the public and, and through the pandemic are, are suffering from <clears throat> from mental health issues. So this goes beyond hockey players. This goes, goes really about uh, uh, traumatic growth, post-traumatic growth in your life.
1: So really good and interesting and, and difficult discussion on Mark Pavlich. And and when we return with Barry, we will get into where he is now, what he's doing, and his future. That's next right here on Crash the Net on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Crash the Net podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Oh, that's right. A little Saturday morning hockey with you on 98.7 ESPN. Barry Beck with us here. Uh, Crash the Net, of course. L- let's get uh, right back into it. Uh, Barry, wh- what did it mean for you? Because I'm sure it had to be unbelievable. What did it mean to be captain
3: of the New York Rangers? I was very proud. and I mean, to play in, in a venue like Madison Square Garden, the, the greatest venue in sports. And, uh, to be in New York city, to be able to play there and, and live that life. Um, yeah, it was, it was bittersweet for me because when I started having problems with my shoulder, uh, um, you know, that was, that was the downside of it, uh, of my career while I was there. But we know how strong the Islanders were at that time and we were getting closer and closer. And, uh, yeah, I have a lot of a lot of great memories of playing in the garden yeah, and the people that were in the building, and the the vendors that were outside that we would see going into the garden. And so yeah, yeah, I do think about it. Uh, when it came to my son, you know, <clears throat> you know, my son used to ask me, Dad, why do why do players always have nicknames? And I said, Well, that just happens over time. You yeah. start talking with people and teammates and. And you he, and he get a nickname, and, and so he, he asked me, well, what's my nickname? And I told him that his nickname was The Investment, and that's what he was to me. He was my investment, and, uh, and he was proud of that. He, he loved that. He loved the, that he had a nickname. It was a little bit long for him, um, but he was my investment, and I lost my investment. So I reflect on, on being a captain, my my teammates that i played with how much i loved them how much i cared about them and that's why i was there for mark pallets in the very beginning i told his sister Jean i'd be there until the end and uh and we thought that mark was going to be a big part of the ranch and that's was that was where he was going to end up and that was the dream that was the vision and we have a group of 15 that are going to make that become a reality and uh of course Any captain of any team will tell you how proud they are of being captain of one of the original six, especially the New York Rangers. I mean, it's very, very dear to my heart and made a lot of friends while I was in New York City. And that was a great, great part of my life.
1: It sounds, it, and you sound like a guy who's got so much you fond memories of so many different things in your life. And, you know, we do this thing, and you mentioned a couple times early on in this interview of you're in Hong Kong. So so walk us through it. How did you wind up in Hong Kong, and, and what are you working on now?
3: Well, I was asked by a group. Uh, uh, I have some friends in Vancouver that came over for a hockey tournament, uh, Vancouver police team or rather the Delta police team, and, uh, and so they came to a tournament here every year in Hong Kong, and they they called me when they got back from the tournament, and they told me that there was a, a gentleman that wanted to start a hockey academy in Hong Kong, and his name was Thomas Wu, and he is now the, the one of three vice presidents of the of the IHF, and, and so really it was about developing hockey in, in China, Hong Kong being a part of China. It's quite different than mainland China. You know, when you, I mean, so the border is only only forty five minutes away from Hong Kong, but it's like entering another world when you go through the border. So we did, and we had a lot of had a lot of great times here over the past fourteen years living in Southeast Asia uh, and our, our partnership with, with with now the Swedish Ice Hockey Association, and we all know what the level of Sweden is at uh, in the. Uh, it's a, it's a hockey power, and they're just up there with with Canada and the USA, and and so I've had a great life over here, and it was all all became part of me, really. It was the spiritual side of my own self that I was seeking, and coming over here, I was able to find that, and so, I mean, I, I, I love it here, uh, even through even through the protests. Uh, in Hong Kong, and and, uh, and then COVID. I mean, we're on our, I think, the decline of our fourth wave, and we have been down at single digits in cases, six, seven, eight uh, uh, cases per day. So a lot of the restrictions were lifted. Um, but it's a very adventurous city, people, uh, and it reminds me a lot of New York City. It's uh, 8 million people in a condensed area, then outside of that, you have close to 300 islands uh, with beautiful beaches and water and and hiking and and lots of green space. People just think of Hong Kong as a a, a condensed city as it is. Once outside of there, I mean, there's just so, so many beautiful spots. So so I I love it in Southeast Asia and that's where I've been. I know I'm not around the the everyday dealings of the NHL and and what they do and. The owners do and all the protocols, and I, I don't know all of those. I do know that I care about people and how far little steps of kindness go. And so that's where I'm at in my life now. Now it's time for me to give a legacy to my son and his name. He was studying mental health and recovery in the University in Nova Scotia before coming back in, in July on July 26th and being murdered. These are things that sort of happen in, in I mean, I'm sure in, with you, Dave, and within your own office and the people that you work with, there are mental health issues. And uh, that, of course, is a big concern to me. And and really the trauma that I have been through, how to grow from it. And all the way from Hong Kong, I can do that. doesn't matter where I am in the world. Uh, if I'm going to be challenged, I'm going to meet the challenge. And I, I really love helping people and being able to them to understand that if I can do it, you can do it. You can overcome trauma, and that that's my message.
1: Well, Barry, I, I really appreciate the the time this morning and the honesty and the look into your life and all the you know, you know tragic and and difficult moments. And uh, when, when we get to the other side of this pandemic and you get the ranch up and running, uh, come back on. And I want to hear all about it. And I greatly appreciate you. And I wish you nothing but success and, and luck over there in Hong Kong. So thanks so much for taking a couple minutes out.
3: Yeah, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Tremendous thanks to Rangers captain Barry Beck for joining us here on a Saturday morning. Quick break. We'll return. Get into the Islanders and women's professional hockey with the terrific A.J. Malesko from MSG. That's next Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you. It's Crash the Net on 98.7 ESPN.
0: Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Eric with this week's Crash the Net hockey trivia. There have been three goalies that have suited up for the Islanders, Rangers, and Devils. Can you name them? I'll be back after the break with the answer. This is the Crash the Net podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Eric with this week's Crash the Net hockey trivia. So who are the three goalies to play for all three local hockey teams? Mike Dunham, Kevin Weeks, and the Beezer, John Van Beesburg. This is Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg. You are listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Had a good Saturday morning. Of course, it is Crash the Net. Dave Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. And I got to be honest, one of my favorites to listen to, even though I don't root for the Islanders, but one of my favorites to listen to, A.J. Molesko MSG Isles analyst, does a terrific job. A.J., we appreciate a couple minutes, a lot to get into. Thanks for joining us this morning.
4: Thank you for having me and starting out with such kind words. I, I like it already.
1: I have to be honest, and and, and honesty is, is part of the show here. All right, so uh, this past week was International Women's Day. Uh, this is Women's History Month. It feels like we're making real traction with, with women's professional hockey. I mean, we, we have the uh, the Dream Gap Tour. We have the NWHL. Do you feel from where you've started in hockey to where we are now, how much progress has been made and is being made? I
4: Absolutely. I mean, you know, and I'm I'm old, right? So I've been around for a while. I've watched women's hockey from its infancy. I grew up with no other girls playing. I was the only girl on a boys team and was on the first ever Olympic team back in 1998. So, you know, I, I really have had a front row seat to watch it grow from this sort of niche sport. And then I've stayed in broadcasting, so I've been able to watch it sort of blossom a little bit more, a little bit more. You know, but the only thing I will add to that is that I'm super impatient for the next step. Um, I, I know that we're there, uh, but we're not where I, where we should be or where we can be or I think where we will be in a couple of years. Um, I understand the need for patience and the need to do things the right way. Uh, but I also, you know, I just think that this is such an amazing product. And the biggest difference, I mean, clearly the, the athletes have gotten faster and stronger and they shoot harder. And some of that is just the amount of time they spend training. training. Some of that is like you see in the NHL and with other sports, you get more specific. Training reg, uh, regimens, you get better technology, whatever it may be. But on the uh, but the real difference I see from when I played is the depth. There are so many fantastic female hockey players out there. It, it goes through, and really where you can see it is the NCAA, and how deep it is. And I'll, I'll actually be calling the women's Frozen Four next week um which will be in erie pennsylvania so you know you, you see all this growth you see that and it's in the grassroots too i mean i'm a, I'm a mom of, of four kids two daughters two sons and i so i've been able to watch that as a coach and a parent um it's really an exciting time you got you mentioned it the nwhl you have the pwhpa which is just two great organizations uh, uh, showcasing a phenomenal product
1: so you said of where it's going to go and you're impatient and where you see it going. Where, where do you see it going? Uh, realistically, in, in, I don't know, the next five to 10 years, where do you see women's professional hockey going to?
4: You know, I see it uh, becoming a real professional league. And I say that because I, to me, it's not professional hockey if these women have to have another job, right? So they don't make a living playing hockey. They don't get benefits playing hockey. I know a, few, a select few do through their uh, NGVs, their national governing bodies, whether it's USA Hockey or Hockey Canada. But if you really want you know, you look at the NWHL, they get to practice once or twice a week. They get in a non-COVID time. They, they skate on the weekend for a game, but they all hold down full-time career jobs. Um, and, the, and the PWHPA, although most of those, all of the athletes that are training for the Olympics in a year are in the PWHPA. Um, that, it's the same thing. So, you know, what I'd love to see is the year after the Olympics. So next next February, February 2020 is going to be the Olympics in Beijing. The year after, strike while the iron's hot, where all these athletes are doing such a good job staying in shape, playing at a high level get them all into one league, uh, one league, right? That's the difference right now. The landscape of women's hockey is really complicated, and a little convoluted right now with two, two organizations um, trying to do the same thing, but in different ways. So uh, that's where I see it is that you, in the next five years, you get somebody, whether it's you partner with the NHL. And I do think that that's going to be the fastest, easiest way. They've got the infrastructure to get these, these teams out there. Um, and, I'm not talking about millions of dollars either. Just get these women uh, benefits, right, health insurance, all that stuff, and a salary that they can really put the t- time and effort into training to be elite athletes. Do,
1: do you think that they look at the WNBA and say that's, that's the model that we want to go after, right? It, it's, it's, it's NBA related. I mean, there's a real crossover, and it's, it's had tremendous success, and it's been around for a long time now.
4: Yeah, and I do think that that's a fantastic model. And it took some time to get there. And and for those that remember back, I think it was in the 90s. um, Somebody can probably check my math. But there were two leagues. There was the ABL and the WNBA. And the WNBA ended up succeeding and I believe that's because they had the support of the NBA whether it's because of the dollars or the I mentioned the infrastructure right you partner with these these um the men's side the NBA and for hockey the NHL and the PWHPA has already formed partnerships with three teams with the Rangers um the Chicago Blackhawks and the Toronto Maple Leafs right so there's it's coming a lot of the players have have hashtag put their stick in the ground right put a stick in the ground for the PWHPA support women's hockey so I do think they look at the NBA as a success story now could it, is there other stuff that they could be doing absolutely is is just generally the culture right now there's not enough visibility of women of female athletes out there right where do most people see female athletes play they're not on major networks all the time and i think that needs to change so visibility if you can see it you can be it visibility get these athletes out there not just on social media or youtube clips but put them on tv
1: Absolutely. A.J. Malesko from uh, MSG joining us here on 98.7 ESPN Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on a Saturday morning. So um, let me ask you this. Where, where is, and I want to get to the Islanders in a second, where is the the best women's hockey in the world right now? Is it here? Is it Canada? Are those the, the top two countries that we're looking at?
4: Absolutely. It's North America. And, you know, it's a constant battle between the two titans of the sport in Canada and the U.S. And that's been forever, right? The first Women's World uh, World Championships were in 1990. Every World Championships up until last year, actually, uh, have come – or uh, not 2020, 2019 – came to have come down to u.s canada um and it would the uh fins upset the canadians in the semifinals two years ago so you know it's it's really between those two teams um one olympics 2006 in torino the swedes upset the u.s in a shootout to take the silver medal to canada but you know in 1998 and 2018 the u.s win the gold every other gold medal the four in between have belonged to canada so hockey is strong here and i honestly do believe that it's it's partly money. The NGBs are funneling money into the training, into the program, and all that stuff. But a big part of that is because they have the NHL to watch. I know the Europeans have great leagues over there, but our kids here grow up watching a really uh, the best league in the world, right? The 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 highest level of play. And so I think that. And then you take put on top of that, the USA Hockey and Hockey Canada have invested in the women's side. It truly and the NCAA, right? I mean, I guess I can't give it one reason. There's a lot of reasons. So the Europeans come over to play. In the NCAA, mm-hmm. Canadians come south of the border to play in the in women's ho- college hockey because that's a really good level too.
1: Yeah, it certainly seems like we are <laughs> making tremendous strides. A- AJ, I- talking about tremendous strides. I mean, the Islanders and it's a team that you <laughs> cover. I-, I can't say enough about them. I mean, you know, Trotz and-, and-, and Lemarillo and what they've done. And I mean, they're they're still undefeated at home at 12 0 two. They've rattled off seven consecutive wins. Uh, I mean. They're better. It looks like it feels like they're better this year than they were last year, and they were a terrific team last season.
4: Well, they're not undefeated at home. Those 12 and 2, they have two shootout or overtime losses, I think, both to Pittsburgh. Although, again, I, I cover a couple different teams. I mean, I've done a couple of games since then, but you're right, they've gotten a point. And every game they've played at the Nassau Coliseum this year, and no other team can boast that this, this season so far. And that's without fans, which is crazy. Islanders fans are nuts and are such an amazing supportive energy for them. Um, imagine, you know, I know last night they allowed 1,000 front-line uh, front, front line workers in, and uh, fans will start trickling in. But they are the real deal. And, you know, it's, I've been asked on different radio shows if – They, if they can sustain it, are they? Do they have what it takes to make a run in the playoffs? And I sort of laugh at that because they made a deep run in the playoffs in 2020. They went to the Eastern Conference Final and they lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning, the eventual Cup winner, and in six games. So it wasn't a, they didn't roll over. Um, So they have all these pieces. Obviously, uh, this week, uh, Anders Lee went down with an undisclosed lower body injury. So there are certain things that could happen. COVID year always makes things interesting for every team in the league. But I really like the pieces that Lou and Barry have put together, or the pieces that Lou has put t- in place and the way that Barry has has. Put the puzzle pieces together And I think Oliver Wallstrom's a big part of that Just because he's found his scoring touch Um, I think that the way that You know, you mentioned that they were Really good last year and they're maybe even better Now, they started slowly And in a short season, 56-game season You never know what that could be What that looks like Everyone was waiting for the fourth line to jump in Everybody had these complaints about some of the Some of the way that guys were playing But uh, at the same time I do think that they have really really good pieces the goaltender on down defense defensive structure i mean there's a lot of things i could say
1: so last one if you if you looked at at a weakness if they even have a weakness right now and needed to correct something and improve down the stretch and into the postseason at the trade deadline what would it be for this club
4: um you know one thing that worries me um is that um when they they're looking at the Defensemen, right? I just mentioned that they're a strength, but when you're looking at them, they're the only team in the league that has dressed the same six defensemen for every game. So that lack of depth in terms of just bodies worries me a little bit moving forward, and it will be fascinating to see what. The organization does at the trade deadline whether they bring somebody in. And, you know, some of that was the un- unexpected early retirement of Johnny Boychuk and they had to trade away Devon Taves. Um, but I think that that's something to look at. Um, I think that, again, they have all these pieces, but then you lose Anders Lee for who knows how long. And how do they work? So much of their strength is not these high power i can't say that actually matt barzell obviously scores these insane goals um but they're not necessarily this individual uh, huge scoring go out and do all these crazy things it's the it's the depth and it's the way they work together in their system so when you take one or two pieces out based on injury based on any covid protocols i think that's something that will be interesting to see how they react to that
1: All right, AJ, thank you so much. It was a great conversation. I appreciate you shedding a little light on women's professional hockey, and it's an important time being it's Women's History Month. So thank you. Let's definitely do it again uh, as we get towards the end of the regular season. Appreciate it. Thanks so much.
4: Anytime. Happy to do it. All right,
1: terrific job by AJ Malesko of MSG. Really, really outstanding coverage on the Islanders and the uh, women's professional hockey as well. Let's look ahead, shall we, here on – Crashed the net. Well, coming up later today, the Rangers, who have not played well of late, they're back to the scene of the last crime uh, at Boston. That's a twelve thirty start over on ten fifty a.m. The Rangers and the Bruins. Then Monday night, the Rangers are back home. 630 start against the Philadelphia Flyers. That game also on 1050. And if you get bored of Philadelphia, you get them again on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock on 98-7 against the Flyers. And then Friday, uh, Rangers on 98-7 at 6:30 in Washington. Against the Capitals. That's the Rangers upcoming schedule. The Islanders upcoming schedule later today. Tonight, as a matter of fact, at the Devils again, 630 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Then tomorrow. Well, the Devils yet again. That's a 430 start right here. On 98.7 ESPN. Tuesday in Washington. That game is on 10.50. You can catch it starting at 6.30. And then Thursday night, back to the Coliseum against the Flyers. 6.30 over on 10.50 a.m. The Devils home the entire week later today against the Islanders, like we mentioned. 6.30 here on 98.7 ESPN. And then tomorrow... Islanders yet again, 4.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Then finally a different opponent. It's the Sabres on Tuesday at 7 o'clock as Buffalo comes to town to New Jersey. And then Thursday, it is Sidney Crosby and the Penguins who pay a visit 7 o'clock as well that'll finish up crash the net for week two outstanding stuff as always we appreciate our recording producer andy from merrick great job from anthony Pusick and ray deanahan as well for their assistance as well always i'm dave rothenberg i'll be back with you this morning at nine o'clock for a three hour bonanza but next is joe Wiz right here on 98.7 espn
0: thanks for listening to the crash the net podcast with dave rothenberg listen live saturdays at 7 a.m on 98.7 espn